The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Hey, everybody out there in podcast world. This is your host, Andrew Lenz, and this is Let's Talk, but no politics okay. And this episode is brought to you by WWF Saturday Night Main Event. Catch all your favorite WWF superstars every Saturday night on NBC with Saturday Night Main Event. Whether it's Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Nikolai Volkov, King Kong Bundy, and many more, check them out. Or, oh, how could I forget Mr. Ooh, yeah, Mastro Man Randy Savage. Check them out. Every Saturday night, Saturday Night Main Event. So today, if you guys could kind of... uh guess what the theme is it's a wrestling theme uh gonna be talking tag teams and today i have a very i always have special guests but this one is very special to me uh kind of one of those brothers from another mother type different situation and uh it is it's gonna be hard to call him by his first name actually (laughs) actually to look down on the zoom recording to see what it is and it is mr phil demonte how you doing Surprised you actually knew my first name. It was always just last names, last names or or nicknames. I'm I'm doing good though. Good. Excited to be on your show finally. Yes, we've talked about this for a while. I always love the Obi Wan thing. Ever see the Obi Wan meme for the military where they get called, where it shows them getting like somebody getting called by their first name and they're like, ah, now that's the name that I. That's who it is. Oh, yeah, I haven't well, got by uh, that name in quite some time. Yeah, does feel that way, but yeah, here I am. Doing this, so tag teams. Now, there's two different types of tag teams, I noticed, by just going off the top of my head. There's the tag teams that I think are the pure tag teams that are like tag teams forever. Like you can't think of them doing any singles action and then you got the ones that are like two single stars stuck together like the rock and mankind and you're yeah, like call those oh. the unlikelies you know it's yes. an unlikely tag team you know it's just something to stir things up bring the story together the mega powers of the, probably the greatest example from you know that i would remember is all also. And, and probably equally as as uh as uh big from that time was their main rivalry yeah. Was, uh, yeah, Andre and the million dollar man Ted DiBiase. Unlikely combo, right? Yeah. DiBiase yeah. was brand new to WWF and straight to the top. I mean, he went straight to the top. And who do you throw him up with? Andre. Amazing. Andre. Freak of nature and just a great athlete. But at that time, just broke down. Andre was contained then. He was, wasn't doing a whole lot. So no. So which one did you prefer more? Like the cool tag teams or like the unlikely tag teams? See, I was more of a singles kind of a, a, a fan, like for sure. But when it came to tag teams, I'd have to say the probably back then, the unlikelies, you know, they, they were just more interesting because you had two singles, which I you know liked more. And then their stories collided. Um, my brother was a big tag team. Love oh, demolition. He loved yes. demolition. Yeah. <laughs> demolition was the best. Yeah, there were some, some bad dudes back then. 
that's probably the first tag team that I ever really, really like got into was Demolition. There was always the Heart Foundation. The British Bulldogs were cool because I was like a little kid and they had Matilda. Right. So it's always cool when you bring a bulldog to the ring. But then here comes Demolition and I'm from the north. And it sounds horrible, but I didn't know about Road Warriors or Legion of Doom until they got to the WWF. Yeah. So, yeah, I saw them, but they were in WCW, like Ric Flair, whatever. And now everyone loves him. I still don't like him, but of course, do the woo. But, you know, he it's just one of those, like, eh, it's other wrestling. Like, their, their, their magazine was black and white pages, crappy cover. The WF magazine was glossy, full color, and it was Playboy quality. WWF magazine. <laughs> it was nice. You know, so I was like, ah, the Road Warriors, whatever. Yeah. And then they came. Legion of Doom. I was a huge Legion of Doom fan, but not the Road Warriors. I'm with you on that one. I do have to say, I had my, had, I would say about, I would say five I got into wrestling. It might have been younger, but I don't remember it. So it's been 32 years, and it was uh, just, a couple months ago, I finally had my first, uh, well, it's WWE now, WWE ice cream bar. Still and available? I, yes, I found them at Walmart, like single package. Really? So I grabbed three, you know, one for me and two for my kids because anything nostalgia I like to share with them. And I get it home, I get it home, and I'm like, okay, here's, here's your guys, here's your guys, here's your guys. And then I open up mine and I get like John Cena. I'm like, uh, okay. I'm like, this is horrible. I'm like, who'd you guys get? <laughs> I'm like, who'd you guys get? And they're like, and I'm looking, I'm like, you guys got Macho Man? I waited 32 years to get John Cena and you guys got Macho Man. So, yeah. and it just reminded me about the magazine. Just <laughs> looking on the it. cover. I remember it was like a blue background. I still remember it. I was really, was around that time, it was when I was really into it at, at its peak. But, um, but I, uh, I think I only had those ice cream bars like one time that I remember. I mean, probably more times, but they weren't readily available. Um, but I, my 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 family, we, we'd go see wrestling. My dad would take us, and uh, I saw Andre. Like I remember, I remember seeing him live. Like certain certain things I remember seeing, but like I was very young. I was probably like six or uh, five, six, seven, same around the same age you know, you're talking about there. But uh, but I got a Macho Man ice cream bar. I remember that. So. <laughs> I was very excited about that. That's funny that you mentioned Andre and Randy Savage in the same sentence, and Andre hated Randy Savage. Now why, right? Well, one of the reasons why, the main reason supposedly, is that Macho would grease himself up, make himself so slippery, and Andre hated that because he was hard to grip and he just easily, and I just didn't trust him. It probably means that Andre was afraid of him. Think so? Usually, I don't think Andre's. People Andre was afraid of, which a lot of people don't know about. Oh, I never heard. I watch a lot of wrestling shoot interviews. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I've never heard of that. I heard the one story where he almost killed a man with Ric Flair. Uh, Ric Flair didn't know it. Oh yeah, he drowned it. He just took his hand. Obviously, they were like baseball mitt, and he just grabbed a guy by the back of the hand. They were walking across the beach or along the beach. Stuck the dude's. He said something. To Andre just stuck his face in the water and wouldn't let him up. And Ric Flair was like, "We just drank like a hundred beers or something." 
And he was like, I didn't know what to do. What am I going to do to Andre the Giant? Right. And that was pretty much it. Andre probably had 180 years. <laughs> so did you did you like it when Andre was with Haku? Uh, uh, I was never much of an Andre fan. I mean, I no? appreciated him. I liked him most in Princess Park. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Andre, of course, iconic moment with Hulk. Um, you know, I, I liked him most there, you know, and that what that was and what that represented for wrestling for me. But, um, but yeah, I mean, he was just this thing and it was, it was amazing. It was like, he was so huge. But um, in terms of a fan as a kid, not, you know, not really, but I, I didn't care for either of them. But Haku was actually someone Andre was, was afraid of yeah. because uh, Haku's martial arts ability. And same thing with Bad News Brown, who was, was he, he's, he was there for about a year and a half, two years. And he's famous for um, Saturday Night's main event. Um, you, you know, your sponsor here, and I'm not just plugging them because they're your sponsor, but you know, he's famous for uh, um, coming in second place to Bret Hart in the, in, the, uh, in the Battle Royal. And then at the end, like, shit, raising his hand up in the air as a good sport. But then when Bret wasn't looking, doing this judo-type judo move. Oh, no, actually, no, he kicked him in the back of the head and dropped him to the ground and then smashed the trophy over him and just beat Bret Hart with the trophy. But so Bad News Brown was a real, supposedly a real life bad dude, new judo. And um, apparently after Andre had been drinking, beers and he's wasted and sitting in the back of the bus and just blabbering on like the village drunk. And uh, he's making racial slurs to Bad News Brown or in, in, in the presence of Bad News Brown. So apparently, bad news. Brown later was found out he had a he carried a pistol everywhere. But you know, so the story goes. You know, but he uh, he confronted Andre and called him out um, for being a racist. And Andre just tried to get him to squash it, and then um, he wouldn't. Bad news. Brown made the bus driver pull over and got out and called Andre out and in front of all the boys. And supposedly Andre backed down and then just uh, you know just he, he just. Uh, uh, totally back down, just kind of let it go. And then they say that Bad News Brown never always watches his back just in case Andre's going to get him again. And that's why he carries the pistol around everywhere because he's afraid that Andre was going to get him someday. But it's uh, one of those random stories that probably a little dumber for having known, but interesting because it gives you some new perspective. I actually, the way that I get to sleep at night is listening to Jim Cornette tell old wow. wrestling stories and answer questions. I don't don't listen to any of his newer reviews or anything else, but when somebody asks him a question about like old NWA, WCW, you know, WWF, WWE, like back in the day, uh, I love listening to him tell the stories. His voice gets a little annoying, but, and I hated Jim Cornette as a kid, but now, now I've grown some appreciation of James Cornette. So you were more. Oh, no, go ahead. You were more into like the unlikely, you know, just kind of toss them together, kind of like the whole uh, strike force with Martel and Tito yeah, Santana. So tag team to me, like there was a couple like the Young Stallions. Remember them? No, was, who was that? Um, goodness, gosh, who was? That? Young Stallion. It was one. I think it was Martel. One of them was in that, I believe. But they were, uh, yeah, they were 
wore red, just horrible outfits. Um, oh, I see them. It was, oh, it's Jim Powers and Paul Roma. Paul Roma, that's what it was. Jim Powers and Paul Roma. Yeah, they, they were there for a little bit, but the Rougeau brothers, remember those guys? The fabulous yes. Rougeaus, the French Canadians, horrible attire. Um, then they had the Killer Bees, like Killer Brian Bee Blair and like Jumping Jim Bronzel. Jumping Jim Bronzel, which, you know, it's funny. Like, I, like, I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm a member of these groups. I am one of them, you know, but there are some, as you know, there are some hardcore, hardcore wrestling fans out there. Yes. And, you know, the way that they hold up certain people and the way that they just absolutely demolish others, especially like Ultimate Warrior, like just Ooh. utter trash, utter trash. And um, another person who Andre didn't like, by the way, didn't trust him, yeah. too reckless. Andre was afraid of losing a knee to, to one of his mistakes. But anyways, um, but, you know, Jumpin' Jim Brunzel apparently was this legend that the that the true, like, wrestling nerds, like, just hold on this pedestal. <laughs> like, why? Because <laughs> I think maybe because he, he was a leaper. You know, he, like, Shawn Michaels. Like, he was one of the first ones to go crazy on some of these jumps. Like, there was someone somewhere the first time yeah i'm gonna climb on the top of this 20 foot or 30 foot landing and, and jump off and fall, and fall through the table or or crash through a ladder you know like there was someone who did it for the first time and apparently brunzel was one of those early leapers or whatever they call them jumpers you know high flyers apparently so i think a lot of the wrestling nerds just be grateful for that but demolition in the Demolition and the Rockers were like my tag teams when I was a kid. When I saw the Rockers come out, I got I got pumped because I knew it was gonna be and it, it wasn't even like looking back on it, it would be like watching old like a football film of somebody like scoring a touchdown or trying to like do like the first juke move because all they're doing is I notice is just missile drop kicks. Uh, cross bodies, super kicks, and everything else. And I'm like watching this, and I'm like, how did I like this as a kid? But as a kid, it was just so amazing because everything was like top rope. It was fast paced, and yeah, and I love the Rockers. I even when I heard that they had that one night reunion, I went on YouTube to try and find it, and I found the one night reunion between. Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, and I was like, they better come out to the Rockers music, and they did, and I got so excited just to see those two guys together. That's how much they meant to me as a kid because they were exciting. I wanted to do that. There was a there was a lot of people that I saw jump, and now that I'm older, I'm like, I can't do this. I don't think I could ever have done it without a lot of training. But there was like the the Rockers and then uh, Superfly Jimmy Snuka. My brother used to hate it because my mom would tell me, go wake up my brother. And I remember climbing up onto his headboard and like, I don't even think it was like an inch inch wide and was just digging to my feet. And I'd get up there and then I'd do the whole, <laughs> go put my hands to the side and oh, I'd just flash. jump right down on him. But those were like my guys were the Rockers and Demolition. Yeah. Well, that must have been a sad day when Janetti took the uh, super kick to the back of the head. I think it was that Brother Love or whatever that whatever show shot. that was, like an yeah, interview show or whatever. It wasn't Piper's Pit. It was one of those deals where a manager or someone would uh, have their own little 
a little segment on the show on Saturday, and Gennady got kicked in the back of the head by Shawn Michaels, and that started it. Shawn no. Michaels went straight up, and Gennady went straight down. I don't know. He's like a, he's an adjective. Whenever it yes. comes to a tag team breaking up, is who's the Shawn Michaels and who's the Marty Gennady? That's you know you're right about that. I never actually heard that or thought about it, but it is so true. There's a Gennady's like, still wrestling affairs and you know living the the real it's kind of the sad side of wrestling like it's just it's, it's almost like comical in a way like you have a sick sense of humor you know but when you watch like the movie the wrestler like it's because it's so true it's like yeah. ridiculous and then it's like how bad these guys be taken advantage of i mean look they do it for glory and they they you know they do it for possibility just like trying to make the pros in nfl or anything else you know and then Nothing to fall back on. You abuse your body and stuff like that. And then there's no one to take care of you. You know, the WWE is probably the worst to its uh, um, entertainers and athletes than and any any organization out there, period. Even the military, you know. <laughs> so they're not bad. I mean, I actually, I, 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 I'm mixed, but it's a whole other topic. But, um, but anyways, these guys get broken down. It's almost like comical, but like sometimes how bad it is. But like Gennady's wrestling. You know, Shawn yeah. Michaels, he's been retired for a while, and uh, but is still doing these little like random shows. Who knows what he's making? You know, probably nothing. You know? Not. I have I, uh, I have a couple of friends that are independent wrestlers. Like they wrestle just around in the Western New York area for what is it called? Empire State Wrestling. Right. And I actually interviewed one, and he wrestled with. At a fair, like you said, with uh, Ricky Morton from the Rock and Roll Express. Oh man, that guy! He was so, the other Shawn Michaels, huh? Yeah, you probably he was like Shawn Michaels. He's a blonde. Some would say Shawn Michaels was the other, or the Rockers were the other Rock and Roll Express. But. Yeah, because what they were called the Midnight Rockers at one point. I think they were trying to get off of uh, get credit from the, the WWF, or I don't know, for maybe a minute. Who the Midnight Express or the Rock and Roll One Express? Them. I th- One of I think? them, I thought. Maybe they went from NWA to WCW or something like that. Um, no, when the, oh they did wrestle, because that's when Cornette was running. He had Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and Smoky Mountain Wrestling shared talent with uh, the WWF. So they had like one match against, I think it was the heavy, the heavenly bodies. It was like some like survivor series, the heavenly bodies versus the rock and roll express. <laughs> and that was like, a big I guess match. Rick Rude was on that probably. Who was it? It was like, Tom, I don't know. It was a bunch of Southern guys. Oh, gotcha. It was the corner. Yeah. yeah I, I don't really get into a lot of, as you said before, I didn't get into a lot of the, uh, the other ones. Until they kind of merged in the late '90s, I loved the feuds, you know. But the WCW versus WWF that was a great, uh, great feuds. Got into that more so, but it was all WWF when I was a kid. Yeah, I don't, I can't remember one WCW tag team because I used to watch it. It was like, well, the one came to WWF. Um, they're actually champs for a little while. They were they were bad dudes, but they were uh, the Brainbusters. Oh yeah, okay. Yes, and that was Iron and Tully Blanchard. Yep, they were half of the um, oh, the Four Horsemen. Yeah. Yep. 
And uh, Arn Anderson, like in hindsight, he was kind of a bruiser. He was a tough guy, but he just didn't, they weren't like super impressive. Like, you know, back then you had either of the beasts, like they were just all jacked up on roids. Um, oh, and they, or they were like perfectly fit, you know, um, and then they had the beasts, like the, the, yeah. the, 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 the like the earthquake, oh, the natural disaster. There's a tag team there typhoon that and broke, earthquake. That broke my heart. No, no, when you mentioned that when tugboat left Hogan and turned on him and became typhoon. typhoon oh my goodness. That was a heartbreaking moment. Yeah, uh, well, I can, I can heartbreak you a little more on tugboat. I actually, I, I'm aware of some recent doings of his. Now this goes back like six, seven years, but I don't know what he's up to currently, but when I was working for a marketing company over here in Clearwater area, um, which is a lot of them come here to, you know, you kind of call it heaven's waiting room, you know, Florida as yeah. it is. And then you get the Tampa Bay area and that's more so for wrestlers. And this guy tugboat, um, he was actually working as a, a concierge at a little bed and breakfast hotel down in St. Petersburg. I guess it wasn't the worst of things. You know, he's just sitting there at the front desk, this big, huge guy. Apparently, he's dating the woman who runs it. Um, oh. you know, it was, was the story I was given. So, and they were like, yeah, he's an old wrestler. And then they they, they couldn't remember, but um, they said that he was uh, um, dressed as a sailor. He's a real big guy. And like, I was like, yeah, it's not like Tugboat. And she's like, yeah, that was a Tugboat. That was a Tugboat. <laughs> He was also the shock master. That horrible. Oh, <laughs> oh I don't remember the shock master. I don't. I don't remember when it happened, but it's like one of the most notorious like uh, botches ever. He oh. after he left WWF, he went to WCW because he was good friends with Dusty Rhodes, and I think he's also like Cody Rhodes' godfather. Okay. So they, you've never yeah, seen where he's wearing like the fur vest. Like, he did like. No, uh, Tugboat, the Tugboat oh. character. Uh, they needed like a, they needed like a bruiser, like a, just a big guy. Uh, like you said, a beast kind of. And, and so they gave him like this vest, it was like a fur vest. And then they took like a stormtrooper's helmet and they spray painted it like purple with glitter. And he was supposed to like burst through this wall. But he didn't realize there was a two by four on the bottom because it was a false wall. So as he burst through yeah. the wall, he tripped right over it. The helmet fell off. <laughs> the British Bulldog is laughing or <laughs> was laughing in the background about it. And he scrambles up and he puts on the helmet and he and it and he doesn't even talk. It was actually Ole Anderson that did the voice. He's for him, so now I'm sorry. Ole Anderson has to talk after this dude trip. He's like, I am the shock master, I will beat you. It was like on some Ric Flair talk show, <laughs> it was like this big entrance. And then, oh, this, this thing set it up so perfectly. And he's like, Because we're gonna, we're gonna shock you because we got the shock master. Big like flame comes up right through the wall, trips on the two by four. How he was playing. It's probably what if I don't think I could if I did go there, because I have family in that area. If I did go there and I did see him, I don't think I'd be able to look him in the eye. <laughs> just over this whole incident. Like it is the number one like just botch they say of all time of like a character agreement. Oh yeah. Yeah, they yeah, they 
that's interesting because uh, that's career ending. You, know, you do yes. stuff like that, and you're not going to be working anymore. <laughs> now that it sounds like he had already fallen from WWF at that time, WWE, but lower rank, but or lower uh, grade wrestling promotion or something. But it's pretty rough. Was that was that WCW or what was that? That was that was WCW. Like I said, he was like good friends with Dusty Rhodes. And it was for a pay-per-view. Oh, yeah, actually, speaking of other botches, um, reminds me of another tag team. And um, there was a, uh, I believe it was the Islanders. Remember them? Yeah. They were kind of like Haku and Tama. Where, um, where in the 80s, and, they, and then Bobby Heenan needed another kind of Pacific Islander kind of deal. He had these guys, the Islanders, come out, and and there was a the Battle Royal, the Royal Rumble, annual Royal Rumble, and tag teams are in it, but you draw different numbers and you come in, and, and the one guy's in it by himself, and, and he gets thrown against the rope. And I think he's supposed to go over, but didn't go high enough, and his head goes through the top and the middle rope, but his body go, goes up over. So he, his feet go up and he, all of a sudden he spins around and he's hanging like this between the ropes. And he's, he's getting choked out like this. There's video of it. And he's just like, they're trying to get him, all the wrestlers come over and they're trying to pry it open to get his neck out. And finally he like falls to the ground or whatever, but he got stuck and it was crazy. Like I remember watching that thing live as a kid and you're like, like kind of almost in shock. Like that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> Over, he almost killed himself doing it. Pretty brutal. Another tag teamer there. Yeah, because there was because they did a lot of Islander tag teams. Because there was the Head Shrinkers. Oh yeah, the Head Shrinkers. What's uh, the? There's a whole family. Joe Samoa or something like that. Samoa Joe. They've got like a whole family of them. Yeah. Of that it, even now today, I think Rakishi. Um, yeah. He was. He has uh, he was the kid of the one from the eighties, and then Rikishi, who's I think the only thing's alive. Man, I'm not positive on that, but um, he's uh, he has a couple kids that are in it now. So there's like three generations or something of that. Um, but that's what that was. I mean, yeah, they used to make fun of every ethnicity, um, but they included every ethnicity. So like yeah, you know, do. you know, for the most, they even made fun of Americans. Like there was like Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I mean, come on. Like, yeah, he was patriotic, but he made, you know, he makes like a, you know, like a blue-blooded American look like uh, a red-blooded American look like a dummy, you know what I mean? So it's like, it wasn't even if they were just making Americans look superior, because a lot of people say that, but they were, I think they were equally, like South Park, they make fun of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Hulk Hogan said that it was Vince McMahon Sr. idea. And that was the whole thing was to have a hero for ETH, for ETH, uh, for everyone out there. Like Ivan Putsky, he said, was for the Polish. Bruno right. San Martino was for the Italians. And that's why Hulk Hogan got his name, Hulk Hogan, because he was supposed to be for the Irish Americans. Gotcha. So they knew how to market in there and yeah, everything did. else. Well, they did. I mean, that's the people. I mean, it's. Human nature, right? You know, you yeah. want to root for, you want to root for, uh, you got to have someone to root for. That's why I loved it. Like, I, like I was, I never realized this until joining these groups. But like, there'll be these random polls, you know, and, and it'll be like uh, most memorable match or best ladder match, best this that. And I start thinking back, I'm like, 
aside from Hulk and Andre, which I don't remember every detail. I don't remember the ebbs and flows of the match. I remember a couple things, you know, but I remember a few key points of a couple matches. Other than that, I don't remember matches. Yeah. You know, I, it's like, <laughs> you don't remember that crap, the wrestling, it's the stories. You know, it's winning, it's losing, it's cheering, it's merchandise. Yeah. Games, you know, it's it's toys. It's uh, it's all that stuff. You know, that's what I loved about it as a kid. I remember more of the characters than anything else, and how each character had their own thing. The promos, everything that they did, and that's what stands out. Other than maybe there was a Hulk and Andre, and then a Hulk and Warrior. There's not too many I remember. Yeah. I do remember a little bit Demolition, though, versus Andre and Haku for the tag titles. Because that's when Andre... So they won it, right? Demolition, Did Demolition lose it there or win it then? They won it because that was Andre's last televised match. That's right. Because he they they took it... Who did he take it from? Andre and Haku were like... They took it from someone for a little while. And then... then other guy went. You could, I just remembered another one, another lovely, unlikely tag team that you might remember. You remember, what were they called? The Twin Towers, when Big Boss Man and Hakeem the African Dream were a tag yeah, team. Yeah, was Hakeem a one-man gang then? You, no, he was Hakeem. Or Hakeem, or Hakeem. Hakeem, yeah. Hakeem is just a big white guy, dressed like a, dressed in the yellow African, like, tribal garb. <laughs> Dancing around. <laughs> I mean, and his manager was slick. And yes. It's slick in the back. I think it was slick, the big boss man. Yeah, I remember them. Who were they who did they feud with? They were demolition. I, I remember everybody. Because those were the two heels, two heel tags. Because demolition were kind of face, but they were a heel. But, you know, they were more heels than face, you, even as champions. Really? You're really killing me here because I always thought them were like a face. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Maybe the appearance, you know, is just uh, dark and destructive. They just kind of gave off there's, that vibe. There's only about five tag teams that actually mean anything to me that I would still talk about today. Demolition, the Rockers, um, the New Age Outlaws, the Legion of Doom, and the Dudley Boys. Personally, those, yeah, not in like, not in any particular order, but those are like my top five. Okay. Because Demolition was cool because they had like, even though it looks straight bondage now, but uh, the mask and everything coming to the coming to the ring, the Rockers for their high flying, uh, LOD because they were just huge monstrous guys with these shoulder pads and everything else. New Age Outlaws were probably are probably my favorite tag team actually of all time because the way that it seemed more they were one of the tag teams where you knew like LOD and Demolition that if they when they did split it wasn't the same because Road Dog did all the talking even though he wasn't that great in the ring but Billy Gunn was good in the ring so they had that nice chemistry together and then the Dudley Boys because I was a huge like. WWE was okay, like I watched it, WCW, Nitro and stuff, but ECW was like everything to me. <laughs> when I was like, 
when I was probably around teenage years to, you know, young adult, like oh, yeah. ECW, yeah, Paul Heyman is, is the greatest wrestling man ever. Yeah, he, he was up there. He's a once in a, he and Vince are kind of up there together. Now Vince was more, more uh, uh, of a business mind for it, but, and, but he had this, this, you know, the creative side too, but mm-hmm. Heyman is all creative. I mean, he can think up some crazy stuff. He's awesome. Oh, yeah. And he can do it himself too. That's what's cool yeah. about it. Is Vince is Vince did it out of ego, but it was like it wasn't good watching Vince, you know, act, act as himself. But when Paul Heyman acts as himself, um, like he he is a character, like he does it so well. And, uh, it's enter- it's probably more entertaining than most of the wrestlers watching him. Well, I just when I was looking to see who they were feuding with, because uh, I just saw a name, uh, Coco. They feuded. Oh, they did a couple of feuds, but mostly the Mega Powers. It looks like they did a Survivor Series with, but do you remember High Energy? No. With Coco Beware and Owen, and Owen Hart, and they come out wearing the parachute pants. I remember that. I can picture them now. Yeah, like yellowish, yeah. purple, checkered, like ugly 90s looking like singlets <laughs> or something. That, and then they did uh, Nyhart came back. They did that. They did the new foundation. Oh yeah, yeah, with Blazer to Owen. Yeah. So I actually left off a couple of my favorites, um, but the I'd say top five. I mean, one of them that for sure, no particular order, but one of them we didn't talk about is the Dream Team. Remember them? Who is it? Brutus Beefcake and Greg the Hammer Valentine. Okay. Yeah, I just saw tag team there. Yeah, Brutus is kind of crazy. He wasn't as crazy as a solo, you know, when he was solo, but he still was. Cut people's hair and stuff. But you had the Hammer, who was kind of like a thicker, almost like hillbilly version of Ric Flair. And, uh, you know, just kind of a blonde, almost somewhat pretty boy kind of thing. He's like the bass guitar version, and Ric Flair is like the lead guitar version, you know. But they're the same band, (laughs) you know, same hometown. Like, that's the kind of look, but like the hammer, he always had the figure four also like Ric Flair. And he would take the, uh, this shin, this knee brace thing that he had, wore on his knee, drop it down to his shin, turn it to the side so that the hard plastic molding would grind into them and give a little couple extra inches of force on the figure four leg lock. Total cheating move. And he would do that to win the match. And then afterwards, Brutus would come out, cut the hair, and they'd beat him. You know, they were they were good. They used to feud with uh, Strike Force, and um, uh, I think they were in WrestleMania one or two, even uh, the Dream Team were. Um, but they were they were pretty big for a while. They might have fought. They might have fought the Heart Foundation for the titles or something. Um, Do you remember um, when uh, Shawn Michaels had the night? Going up against the whole Hart family at the One Survivor Series. I just found this out like last week. I think it was it, one of the nights was Greg the Hammer Valentine underneath the mask. I forgot who they said the other ones were because I was more in shock over hearing Greg the Van- Hammer Valentine would wear a mask to be created out as a knight of Shawn Michaels. He needed the money. Hey, Greg, you want to make 150 bucks tonight? <laughs> oh, man, poor Greg. Uh, 
Oh, they, 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 I, in my early days of wrestling, I remember watching them, and I must have always had a like a thing for the heels or whatever because they were not a good guy. They were not good at guys. But I remember being entertained by them quite a bit. And, and um, then I saw, I, I have to also say another name left off that list team that mm-hmm. has probably had more of a physical impact than any other tag team. Um, probably even, I would argue to say they've had more of a physical impact on their fan base, or at least people in the audience, than any athlete in history. That would be the Bushwhackers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I think you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. These nasty, nasty Bushwhackers would come down to the ring and some unlucky, unsuspecting kid would get his face licked by these two disgusting animals from New Zealand. <laughs> and they would lick children on the way down to the ring. Like, literally, the camera would follow them, and they'd find their fans. they start licking the face of these kids. And, I, I mean, for my kids, I wouldn't like But it, they did it every single time they came down to the ring. And they had to run for, like, four or five years, figure an average wrestler is working three, 300 days a year. Yeah. Um, you know, that means and, at least 300 kids are getting their face licked by the by the bushwhackers for four or five years while they have this run. And so that's where I think I can back up. I don't know of any other sport where they've had physical contact with the audience that much. By, by licking them? Uh-huh. <laughs> I, yeah. I thought maybe you were going to go Hart Foundation when Bret Hart would give out the glasses. Oh, well, that, 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 that's big, too. That was like that was huge for me when I saw them come down and I see Bret Hart take off those glasses. I'm like, oh man, I? I want yeah. his glasses one of these days. I want Bret Hart's glasses, and I don't even like Bret Hart. Like he's, I hold him in high esteem, but I was never like, wow, Bret Hart, you're amazing. I was more like, I wanted a guy that could like talk a little bit more. Yeah, Bret was kind of. I mean, he wasn't that good of a talker. I don't think best oh. talker. Two best talkers. I wish they were a tag. Never were. But Jake the Snake Roberts was was probably the best talker. Um, and, I, and I didn't realize or appreciate him at the time. Mm-hmm. And the second one is Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Also, didn't appreciate or like him at the time, but I yeah. love the Million Dollar Man's character now. And he's such a jerk, and he's just funny, and <laughs> that laugh, and... Like, you know, he'd call, like, some random kid, you know, and, hey, I'll give you $100. You can bounce this basketball 15 times. And then on 14, he'd kick the ball away, you know. Like, he's just horrible, horrible heel. And, like, the crowd's booing him. They hate him. You know, but he, he was did, so good on the mic. He did a bunch of tag teams because he was in the Mega Bucks. Yeah, he was, was in it? IRS. Yes. With, uh, Captain Mike Rotunda. Also known as Erwin R. Scheister. <laughs> IRS. <laughs> the father of uh, Bo Dallas and uh, The Fiend right now. Yeah, he is. I, I actually just heard that kind of recently. Just how many people, when I saw one of these random posts, like wrestlers who are, whose uh, parents were wrestlers and stuff. If that's why I say it's just, they're all related, you know, in some, yeah. some capacity. So many of them are. Good stuff, man. But I say they're up there, the Bushwhackers, the, the Dream Team, LOD. I mean, they made me want to play football with spikes on my shoulders. Like I thought Legion of Doom were they were just so cool. They were the uh, they would come out there and just destroy everybody. Did you, know, you watch the day. did you watch Dark Side of the Ring? 
some of them. I, I haven't seen a Legion of Doom one, though. Is there one on they that? Did a, yeah, they did a good one on that where they talk. Uh, the Godfather talks about Vince McMahon taking a doomsday device in a strip club. Really? They He egged them on enough to take the doomsday device oh, right God. from it. <laughs> <laughs> That's 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 probably the most iconic, you know, tag team finisher too. Is the Doomsday device? The that was the shoulder one, right? Because the LOD had had the. I mean, uh, Demolition had the knee. It was like a backbreaker off the top, and yeah. And then Legion of Doom had the. What was the? It was like a lariat or something. What was the yeah, he would Hawker Animal would have a guy on the shoulder. And then he would just, oh, yeah. one of them would dry, uh, jump from the top rope and just straight clothesline them. The Doomsday device is classic. Because even, what was it, the heart attack for the Heart Foundation? Yeah. That was, it, what was it, Nan? My heart would like hold a guy and it would almost, it just looked weird and very awkward position. And then all of a sudden, Bret Hart would run and like give him like a jumping clothesline. And be like, oh, okay, there's the heart attack. And I'm like, no. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't the best. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the other one was um, oh, I was just thinking of them earlier. They were an unlikely, but even though they were great together, but was when Razor Ramon and Diesel got together. Like it was just for a little while, and I don't even think it might even just been like a match or two. I just thought those guys were so cool. Like just um, uh, Razor Ramon, the best finisher I I've ever seen. You know, with the razor's edge. I think that's just cool. And then Diesel had this jackknife powerbomb, which was vicious, too. They're both solo guys, but just kind of heels, and I think they, they fit well together. And um, I, I used, to, used to be behind them. And then um, uh, thinking back to the uh, to the 80s there, I, I like the, um, the um, what are they called? Their strike force. I did. like, and It was only because... When I was seven, there was a video, a tape that came out, and it was it was like wrestlers. This is another example of Vince just abusing his wrestlers, but he would make them either sing or lip sync a uh, a music video, and it's the name of the album is called Pile Driver. You should look it up and you should listen to these songs, like amazing songs such as Waking Up Alone by Hillbilly Jim, a soft ballad about how he's big and strong in front of front of the thousands of fans every night but he's sad and empty waking up alone every morning in his bed without without the warmth of his woman you know so hillbilly jim singing waking up alone um slickster was sit, was singing jive soul bro talking about a woman who was seven feet tall that he was messing with last night how she messed him up real good you know because she was so big <laughs> this is vince's vince's idea um the main song pile driver was a collage of all these different wrestlers, including Hulk and all of them, dressed up like idiots, um, fake playing air guitars and instruments on a stage together. Like it's the, you know, like a big awards show and they're all dancing and singing and stuff. And, and um, so the the one, the, 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 the Strike Force had a song and I thought it was so cool, late 80s, rockers kind of theme. The song was called Girls in Cars. And it was like this, total 80 sounding song and it was just like pulling up to the girl a car next to you and seeing the girl of your dreams and how beautiful she is and it's like going after her the name was the song girls and cars and i just remember being a kid and thinking that was so cool uh, and i looked up to them but 
I don't remember them wrestlers at all. I just I just like <laughs> them for that. <laughs> you know, a little pop star. <laughs> good stuff, man. Good memories. Yeah. Uh, what are some you mean, I know you like the unlikelies. What were some like dream unlikely tag teams that you would have loved to have seen? Dream. Hmm. You could just see two guys be together. Yeah, I mean, see Hogan sell out. Yes, would have been. That would be. I think an amazing, an amazing uh, story twist. Even if it's for a little while, until somebody comes along and talks some sense into Hogan, and he goes back on the straight and narrow, but. He has a moment of weakness, and he goes, he goes all in, because everybody has a price. Yeah, uh-huh. that, that would have been a good awesome. one. That's just uh-huh. a great story too. <laughs> like I was yeah. thinking, but who would have turned him back though? Who who would have been strong enough to turn him back? Jeez, he had so many like friends. Yeah, you would. Have, it, it would probably be Brutus. Probably. They did the, the they did the tag team there for a while. I think it would go by whatever his friend was. Moment. Who would turn him back? Yeah. Be the you always reignite the old uh, Miss Elizabeth comes back, tempts him, and then Macho, you know, comes back and something happens there. But that's a little that would be a little played out. Yeah. You, know, you gotta. Well, many other Hogan. women in Hogan's life. Old hacksaw come in there and give him a talk. That would have been good. Yeah, that would have been a good good choice there for it. I think an obvious choice too. I think that would have been a fan favorite. Yeah. But if the if the if it lasted for a while, like six months or something, and it would have to be somebody big. That would be like a great like pre WrestleMania thing. Yeah. Well, nothing unites country like an invasion. Yeah. So you need you need some kind of ethnic kind of foreign type of uh, thing you know going on like when they had Slaughter oh, he turned his back on America and he joined um, the Iron Sheik aka Colonel Mustafa and uh, um, what's the other one uh, Sergeant Slaughter Colonel Mustafa and gosh the other tag team partner but yeah and he and right during the, the the first Gulf War it was a it was a big thing showdown. I I know they like work together, but I don't think they ever tag team. Was Jake the Snake and Undertaker at that time? Mm. I always thought that would be kind of interesting. Just like you said, not for a long period of time, but for like a short period of time. Like the Undertaker when he was with Kane and they did Brothers of Destruction and those That's type cool. of tag teams were like really awesome also, but like that one would have been good. I'm trying to think of anybody so else. I had a thing for um, the beasts, if you will. Like, mm-hmm. so I was a, I was a big, I was a big fan, and I loved like <laughs> big fat gross guys. Like, um, I loved um, the idea just for fun, like playing wrestling and messing around with my friends, stuff like that. So there's this one guy named Bastion Booger. Yeah, and he was disgusting. 
and he in, in there in, in there around that time there was a movie called the that you probably saw fifth element with bruce willis yes and they had this girl in it that, i forgot what they called her like pink girl or something like like that anyways she was like all wrapped up in tape like it was this thing and she was this alien woman but she looked like a regular human but she was wrapped up in like um athletic tape and that was like her outfit and it was like this whole thing you know like back then and so they decided they were going to make the character a male grossly obese hairy um and 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 wrap him up in that same tape and bring him down to the ring and wrestle as a character named bastion booger and you can look him up. He would carry crackers to the ring with him, and he'd eat the crackers on the way, and they'd crumble all over him and get on and on him and just eat, eat it disgustingly. Be extra gross. Um, so his finisher was to stand over someone's head and do this weird dance, and just drop to his knees, and basically just get the full every full effect of his nastiness, like right <laughs> on top of his opponent. <laughs> and he, so that was his finisher. So seeing him. It'd be pretty cool to team up with like Dustin Rhodes or something who was, you know, not in his yeah. physical prime, but like, you know, he's a hero. He had the, you know, he could get everyone going, but he was, you know, he wasn't in shape, you know. So two out of shape guys like Bastion Booger, Dusty Rhodes would be kind of cool or possibly, um, um, what's his name there? Kong, King Kong Bundy, you know, Bastion yeah. Booger or something like that. Bundy was a beast, you know, but he was kind of a big dude. I kind of, I kind of like that stuff. You don't see many of those now. Now they're all huge and voided up. Um, That's because like, Vince doesn't like those guys. And anymore. No, Vince, <laughs> doesn't, like Vince doesn't like those guys. I heard. In fact, my favorite, my favorite just passed away. My, my favorite beast of all time is a solo, but um, was Kamala. I love Kamala. Yeah. Remember? Did he? I he I learned how he got that gimmick from listening to Cornette. Jim Ross? No, no, from Jim, Jim Ross. Cornette. He came up with the idea, but yeah, Cornette was. was Cornette said that the guy couldn't wrestle. <laughs> like, we're just going to make him into this beast. So that way, when he gets into the ring and he doesn't look like he knows what he's doing, it can actually go with the gimmick. <laughs> and that's how we're going to do it that he's the Ugandan giant and everything else. It was just, he was like, he was the nicest guy in the world. He just couldn't wrestle. So we figured we'd throw him in and he'd do this and give him this whole gimmick of that. And, there, and it worked. It's too. Like, it, it's, uh, it's surprising. Like, he was 6'10. And there's, there's some great, there's a video of him, and this is like 1983. Um, was it three? Because it was before WrestleMania 3. And it's a video of him, Kamala, body slamming Andre. Oh, yeah. It's cool, too. It's a perfect body slam. It's not like Hogan's where it's like, eh, you know, but granted, I mean, Andre was in better shape. So, you know, when body slam is the more so on the person being slammed, obviously, than the person yeah. slamming. You know, they've got to hold it. They, 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 they do their part. But Kamal, it was perfect scoop, feet straight up in the air, just beautiful, clean body slam. And he's just like, afterwards, slapping his belly. <laughs> you know, he's got the big star on the moon, like on his nipples, like, you know, just like a straight up Ugandan giant, you know, just a great, great, uh, great gimmick. And, uh, but yeah, he teamed up with, with Booger, I think would be good. I think that would have been a good one or possibly um, him and Papa Shango. I like Papa Shango yeah. too. Like, I like the weird... I'll, you know, kind of parts unknown. If you were from parts unknown, I was probably a fan. You know, 
Isn't Demolition from Parts Unknown? I don't remember. I don't remember that, actually. Oh, you know, it would make sense. There were so many. Yeah. I mean, everything was just one big kayfabe thing. Lex Luger, they said, was from Chicago, Illinois, when he's just from Buffalo, New York. And I go on a baby. He went to high school with my mom. Did he really? I yeah. I actually I I just met him maybe about four years ago, and oh, this is I heard he looks like shit, like really skinny. Yeah, he's in a wheelchair, and he goes. He was going to this church that I was going to, and he sat out in like this little, uh, like the atrium area, kind of like the lobby, and you could watch the service and sit on the couch. So that's where I would sit. And I seen this guy scooting by. I'm like, is that Lex Luger? And I'm sitting there and I'm with my in-laws. And they they don't know who he is. I'm like, oh my goodness, I think that's Lex Luger. So I'm sitting there in church when I'm supposed to, when I should be paying attention. And I'm texting my friends going, is Lex Luger in a wheelchair? Does anybody know? And I'm Googling, is Lex Luger in a wheelchair? So finally, I just walked up to him and I was like, sir, are you Lex Luger? And he was like, yeah. He's like, what's your name? I was like, my name is Andrew. He was like, nice to meet you, brother. And I'm like, yes. Turned five all over again. I was like, Lex Luger called me brother. I was like, yes, we're good. You made your day and you made his day. Oh yeah. And I'm like, that that's amazing. Like it's it these guys obviously value, you know, the the he was a narcissist, first of all. Like that was his character, right? But but they obviously value self-image. I mean, that's it's all about ego. It's all about entertainment. It's all about being the star and stuff like that. And that's great. I mean, that's if, if that's what drives you, you know, and, and it does like, but they to the point where it's destructive, you know, and they 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 abuse themselves um, and take things and do things themselves, you know, to cope and all that stuff, and it just breaks them down. And now you see this Adonis, so to speak, at like as the shell of who they once were in a wheelchair, like broken down. Now, no one's going to recognize me without my mask, yeah. without my perfection and stuff like that. And then here's some random, you know, just making his day <laughs> by, you know, this is Lex, this is, you know, the body or whatever. No, what was his, uh, the uh, Lex yeah. the Flex or something like that. Yeah. They had some, like, nickname back in WCW days for him. But um, anyway, someone was, like, perfection broke down. Yeah. It really is sad. I mean, it's horrible to see. I saw Brian Nobbs from the Nasty Boys, you know, oh, another, man. I didn't like them, but they were a big tag team. Jimmy Hart, you know, they were tag champs back in the 90s. I hated was, the Nasty Boys. Yeah, I wasn't into them, but, you know, the, but Brian Nobbs, um, I saw him on an airplane a couple of years ago. Huge dude, hobbling. How does he walk? Oh, he's going to wrestle, you know, it's like he's, yeah. he's got to be at least 50, 55, 60, you know, someone in that range. Some other big dude I didn't even recognize. So I probably knew, you know, at some point, but still doing he's, it. It's just a couple years ago. He's good friends with Hogan, too. Uh, probably. Yeah. Cause, They're all down this clear water here. Yeah, I've been to Hogan's Beach Shop. That was a lot of, <laughs> that brought back a lot of memories when I was down there visiting family a couple of years ago. Yeah. I went down there and I was like, oh my goodness, this is like amazing. And to be able to see this, and my aunt was like, "Oh, sometimes you'll see him at the flea market." I'm like, "I'm like that's that's normal. You guys just see Hulk Hogan at the flea market." And she's like, "Yeah, nobody really bothers them. You can tell if they're a tourist, they'll, they'll bother him because it's just something normal." I'm like, "Hulk Hogan doesn't go to flea markets. He's Hulk Hogan. He can't go to flea markets." So it's so weird. And then I met actually when I was in the hospital, I met Farouk 
met Ron Simmons. Oh, yeah. yeah. I met Ron Simmons and he was super nice. And the guy that introduced him to me kind of pissed me off because he called him the Rocks, the Rocks father. I'm like, that's not the Rocks father. That's Farouk. Rocky Johnson, the Rocks father. Yeah. Who was a tag team? Yes. He was an unlikely tag team of the early 80s. But yeah. um, well, mid, I guess. He was kind of getting out when I was getting into wrestling. It was uh, what was his name? Was it Tony Atlas? I think it was Tony Atlas. Yeah, Tony Atlas. Yeah. They were the. Here you go, making kind of stereotypical ethnicities there with the Soul Patrol. Yep. Yeah, there weren't a lot of black uh, tag teams. There really weren't. No. Um, they had Doom, which I barely remember Doom, uh, but they were they were kind of like, I think they ended up in WCW, but they were they were early nineties. I think that was the only one that I remember. Yeah, I don't remember hardly any either. The actual tag teams. Unless it was just like a one-off or something, but we didn't, weren't too many. Yeah, I can't think of any. JYD, oh, J, wasn't J, Junkyard Dog and Kelko Beware tag team? No, no, Junkyard Dog and George Animal Slam. Okay. Kelko Beware was with, yeah, because he was only with uh, Owen Hart there. Yeah, I think Hogan, Survivor Series, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, that was probably, that was, yeah, that was the only time where you actually got to see more of the unlikely ones. Yeah. I think when it comes down to, like, now it just seems like they just throw people together. Like, when I watch it, it just seems like they throw tag teams together or it's the same tag teams that win the title and you really don't care about that tag team anymore. Like, like my kids were watching it. And if I had to watch the new day, win it and that really angered me because they made new day beat demolitions title record stays holding it. So I was like, you can't beat demolition, but I think it's one of those things where Vince wants to erase the past, but it is what it is. It is what it is there. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, all black tag team, Harlem Heat. Harlem Heat, yeah, that's right. Well, they were in WWF? WWF? No, they were only in WCW. Only in yeah. WCW, and it was Booker T and his brother Stevie Ray. And uh, Booker T was awesome. Sherry, Sherry, or Sherry Martell at that point was their manager for a while. Yeah. Yeah, they, they were they were WWF or WCW. I can't think of any others. I don't remember a whole lot of tag teams from WCW. Either no, they oh, were... Steiners. They were W. We didn't talk yes. about Steiners. I didn't care for him, to be honest. I thought, I couldn't stand the, actually, I think it was the nickname, the dog face gremlin. Like Steiner. Oh, I never that. liked that nickname. And then on top of that, too, like, they were real wrestlers. Like, what were yeah. real wrestlers doing in wrestling? You know, it's like, I, I, I mean, I, I get it, kind of, not really. Um, and and it made more sense to me when Scott Steiner gave up his, his days of, of, of wrestling and instead decided to go all in on every juice known to man. He became yeah. Big Papa Pump. <laughs> and <laughs> he could no longer move like he used to. And this is a freak of nature. Like, uh, you know, That's so the Steiners were, were in both, but they, they were big. They were was... big in, in WF too. Yeah, that's probably the only one from WCW where I'd like turn on and be like, oh, the Steiners are on. I got to watch the Steiners. But other than that, that's it. And uh, I don't, you know, I'm sure there's others. You'd probably be like, oh, yeah, once you hear them. But 
I'd have to say, though, mega powers and mega bucks, probably in terms of sheer excitement, like at the time, like they've got to be the number one, my number one tag team. Like, just that was such an amazing moment coming together for that. Like, I, I feel like that might have been wrestling. People say wrestling peaked at Hulk versus Andre. I don't agree with that at all. No. I think that was the beginning of the golden days, but I, I think it peaked probably around Hulk and Ultimate Warrior. I, I think is, you know, when that, when, when, when that when they fought each other, face each other for both titles, that was probably the the biggest moment the peak of wrestling. I think the problem with wrestling today is the way that uh, Bubble Ray Dudley said it, and a lot of people have said it before, is there's nobody bigger than the company anymore, especially when it comes to WWF, WWE. There's nobody bigger than the company. You used to pay money to go see Hogan, Savage, um, just just those few guys. You would just pay the money. Um, who else? Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. The Andre. Rock, Andre, Stone Cold, Macho. Macho, those type of just names. Uh, John Cena was probably the last one where people were like, "Yeah, I'm gonna pay money to that," and he's and he's the big household name. You could kind of give it to Brock Lesnar a little bit because people know him from MMA, but he wasn't full time. And those were like so Cena, and it made sense when he was saying it. Cena was like the last one that transcended. Nobody's transcending from the company anymore to become that household name where they're out there doing movies or doing other TV shows or anything like that. So now when you go to the WWE, you're going to a show. You may be saying, oh, I want to see Seth Rollins, but there's Seth Rollins isn't bigger than the company. Uh, who else is in there? Drew McIntyre isn't bigger than the company. AJ Styles isn't bigger than the company. Nobody's bigger than the company anymore like it used to be for us. Yeah. And you know what the funny thing is? Is the biggest draws that they have now are reunions. Yeah. You know, like you got that wrong reunion I was I, I was fortunate enough to go to. It was pretty cool. You know, uh, last maybe a year and a half ago before COVID and everything. And uh, we had a uh, uh, I forget. It was pretty good seats. But anyways, I, I was close enough where I could see what was going on in the ring. And at the end, they brought everyone out and Stone Cold came out. And it was just this huge, huge reaction from the crowd. And, and you can tell Stone Cold was jazzed up. He hasn't done this in probably years or whatever and he's got the beers and he's drinking them did it for like 15 minutes kept opening <laughs> beers and flick he did not want this thing to end the show is over like this is after the show is over we're waiting for some kind of encore and stuff but anyways but like the point is is that the fan base even though there a lot of them are young and there's there are a lot of young fans but there's still a lot of us you know people that that um still appreciate it but even more so still watch it like i don't yeah. watch it you know, I'll, I'll check in here and there. I'll just kind of keep up, you know, once in a while and stuff. Um, maybe watch a WrestleMania match or two, you know, someone I, whatever. But um, I pay attention to the old stuff. It's the nostalgia, you know. So the further they get away from that, I feel like the further they go into decline. You know? But they yeah. also need to appeal to a new audience. We're not, you know, we're, we're a lot different than everyone today. And, what, what what attracts them. So I, I don't think it's, I don't know, long-term if it's going to be around in any real significant capacity. 
no. especially as we become more hungry for real violence. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> even as a kid, I mean, I thought like, how long is it going to be until we actually have gladiatorial games back? Um, you know, and because uh, boxing and stuff, and I love boxing. I love to watch it. You know, people. And now it's like you know, MMA is it's pretty pretty nasty fighting, and that was just kind of coming out in the '90s. So, 20 years from now, MMA is not going to be enough. You know, and so how long does WWE, an alternative, fake alternative that's real, but how long does that you know, is that appealing to people? So, the theater part is my own. I think the only thing that that gives it you don't have that same heroism. It's different in, in real fighting and stuff, but. I don't know. That's its only hope. And if they're taking away that from the story by by, by having the company be bigger, you know, so to speak, then then they're killing themselves slowly, in in, in my opinion, you know. But yeah, because Vince is a little nutty at best. <laughs> well, with that, <laughs> that being said, thank you for coming on the show and discussing and giving us some wrestling memories there. And for everybody else, uh, remember, you can catch new episodes every Wednesday on the BIC, or on every Wednesday, I'm sorry, every Sunday on the BICP Radio Network. I am also on Helium Radio Network every Friday at 7 p.m. I do History Review. I may switch that up, not too sure. But thank you for listening. And to everybody out there, good morning, good afternoon. Good.